Welcome to the Road Trip Show again. And today we are hitting the N11. And uh, yeah, there's a couple of places that I know of on that route. Uh, but Dedrick is going to tell us uh, all the spots that you can go visit and go see. So, Dedrick, how's it going? No, awesome. Awesome, awesome. Inquiries are starting to come in. I got an inquiry for a Swaziland trip. I got an inquiry for another Kruger Park trip. Tourism is starting again. So I think the world, the world is happier. Yeah. <laughs> and people are starting Most to travel. Definitely. But yeah, I think today we'd be sort of on this, on this roll of our national routes. And I thought one of the slightly more or less known routes is the N11. And the N11 runs between Hroblesbrug, which is the border of South Africa and Botswana, and Ladysmith. Yes. Ladysmith is a really interesting little town. And it's unfortunate, I remember as a child still going down the old R101 to Durban, you'd you'd go through Ladysmith. But uh, now that the national road has been built, you bypass it. And that's always a pity missing out these little towns. I understand yeah. why. I mean, you're on a you're, you're on a road, road. You want to get down to the sea, and now you got to go through the little towns and stuff. It's a pain, but unfortunately, you do miss an awful lot. And Ladysmith, I had to do a little bit of research to reorganize my thoughts on Ladysmith because it's got such a wide scope and variety of of little monuments, and it actually kicks off one of the more beautiful Diaz monuments. Strangely enough is actually in Ladysmith. So okay. I'm I'm not sure exactly how it got there, but it was <laughs> it was um erected during the National Diaz Festival. Yeah. You know, so that that was sort of the the four hundredth um year anniversary of Diaz Festival nineteen eighty eight. They saw sell the little boat all the way from Portugal to South Africa. You can still see that little boat in the Diaz Museum in in Mossel Bay. But yes, it's actually a very right. pretty one. It's actually a very, very nice little statue and or monument. And what they've done is what Diaz and what the Portuguese explorers used to do was actually erect little stone crosses um on the shore wherever they came on land sort of as a marker and as sort of proof that they'd been there, kind of a high we've been here kind of thing. And there's yes. a little thing called a padrão. I don't know if I've got the Portuguese right there. But we've got those little padraos all the way along the, the, the west coast of Africa from the various explorers. And Diaz erected a few around the coast. And uh, eventually, I mean, he 1488, he made it through to Mossel Bay, but he had to turn around because his crew mutinied. But this is actually a very pretty one. It's actually a metal replica of one of those stone crosses. If you can imagine a a rectangle on its end, long rectangle, and on top of the rectangle is a little Christian cross and made out of stone. That's what the Portuguese carried around with them. And this is now just one done in metal. So it's just got the four bars in each corner that go up to a very nice sculptured, like stainless steel cross on the top of it. And... uh yeah, for whatever reason, they decided to put one in inland in Ladysmith. So that's that, that's a, just a slightly different take on those on those Diaz Diaz crosses. Then there's an interesting two little interesting spots that go back to the fur trekkers in that area. And obviously, when we're talking fur trekkers, we are way before um, Ladysmith was even thought of as a town. 
Oh, yeah. Is there's two little spots there because we right now, Ladysmith, you could almost say, is like kind of the capital city of the battlefields. You know, we've got Fort Trekkers versus Zulus. We've got Fort Trekkers versus English. We've got um, English versus Zulu. We've got Anglo Boer War One. We've got Anglo Boer War Two. We've you know all these various conflicts, and they happened all in and around Ladysmith, very very close to Ladysmith. So if ever you want to do a full on battlefield tour, sort of Ladysmith Dundee is kind of the areas that you want to stay in. But there's a little monument at a place called Skitsdrift, the Skitsdrift Monument. Skitsdrift. And that's where <laughs> the commando under General Andrews Pretorius actually crossed together on their way to go okay. and beat up Dingan. Yes. If you remember that story when Retief <laughs> went to go negotiate for land and Dingan murdered Retief, yeah. the whole party eventually, Pretorius comes along. And puts together this, this little punitive mission against Ingan. So there's a little spot there, a little monument in a place called Skitsdrift, which is, which is the first one. And then there's also another one place, a little spot very close to town called Danskral. And Danskral has, has an interesting history to it because it's where the fur trekkers actually camped for about a week while they were sending out their reconnaissance parties and stuff to go and locate the Zulus. Yes. And the interesting part about this, that Danskral is where that covenant was actually read out for the first time. Oh, yes, yes. You know, we've spoken about the covenant where, you know, should God give yeah. us the victory on this day, we will forever hold this day, this day in memory and it will prove that we are the chosen people, etc., etc. Yes. And... Um, So that, that's where, where, where it was held. And that, so that was the first time it was read out on the 9th of December. And remember the Battle of Blood River or Nome was on the 16th. So every yes. single night after the night that, um, uh, Covenant was actually read out. And yeah. Apparently this is also where at some point, um, some foot trekkers or the commander was actually entertained by some Zulus. I don't know how, how that worked out, but some Zulus came and actually danced and entertained the commando there as well. So I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how that happened, but, uh, kind of an interesting little, little aside there. Yeah. Then, then we've got a, um, a little memory to the, to the Anglo-Zulu War as well. Now, the Anglo-Zulu War, obviously, after the Fort Trekkers, um, eventually the British kick the Fort Trekkers out of the colony of Nato, out of Natalia, they make it a colony, and they eventually decide that it's time to go and beat up the Zulus for whatever reason. And <laughs> that sort of led up to the very famous battle of Isantwana, Rocks Drift, etc., etc. But there's yeah. a, an old historic fort in the town that dates back to the um, the Anglo-Zulu War. So they, a little fort was, was used. It was used as a school after the war. It was used as a jail. It was also used as a, as a bit of a church by the Anglican congregation, etc. But yeah. um, it's an interesting little spot to go and visit because it was built, obviously, specifically for the, for the um, defense of the town during the Anglo-Zulu War. And then we move yeah. on... 
to some of the battles of the first Anglo-Boer War were fought pretty close to Ladysmith, but I think they belong in a different different podcast because Ladysmith is one of the main focal points of the second Anglo-Boer War, South African War, War of Freedom, etc. And in town, there's a beautiful museum, and I rated one of the top um museums related to this specific um incident here and it's the actual what they call the the, the siege museum oh yes ladysmith was one of the one of the spots in south africa where the british forces were besieged by the boers in the first phase of the war and the siege of ladysmith Stress from the 2nd of November, 2nd of November, 1899, right through to the 28th of February, 1900. And it's a marvelous, absolutely marvelous place to go and visit because it's got fantastic little dioramas and displays and a lot of absolute unique memorabilia dating back to the Anglo-Boer War. Yes. So. If ever you're in town and you only got time to do one thing, I would say what you want to do first and foremost is um, go to the Siege Museum. Yes. <clears throat> then we had a whole series of battles in and around Ladysmith relating to the siege. And... Most of them were related to the fact that the British were trying to break through the Boer lines and break over the Tugela River in order to lift the sieges. The first and foremost of those is the Battle of Spionkop. Oh, yeah. Now, Spionkop lies a little bit off off the, the N11. The N11 breaks off the N3, and the first town you hit on the N11 is Ladysmith. But the actual battle site of Spionkop is a little bit further over to the west near the Spionkop Dam and near the Spionkop Nature Reserve. Yes. But it was, it was one heck of a fight. It was one of the bigger, bigger fights during the conventional phase of the war. And the Battle of Spionkop is definitely worth a visit. But the one thing that we, you can see almost from most of the spots when you're in the town of Ladysmith on one of the little ridges to the south of town, is a whole series of monuments and they are literally their hands sticking up out of out of out of the earth stylized hands and each of them okay. represents one of the bigger battles and the one on that that is for the battle of Spionkop and it's on the area called Platrand Platrand was also one of the bigger fights in, in, in Ladysmith. So they conglomerated a whole lot of the sort of commemorations together in one spot. Yeah. But just to give you a, an indication, just that particular one has got 310 Boers or Burgers interred underneath that one particular little monument. So, I mean, the casualties. Wow. That, um, that was quite high. Were, were exceptionally high. Were absolutely exceptionally <clears throat> high. There's there's another one on that same ridge called the Colenso Hand, 
And uh, again, part of that same kind of memorial, except it's the, these are all separate, um, little hands that stick out. And that's for the Battle yeah. of Colenso. Now, the town of Colenso and the actual fight of Colenso, um, is much further to the south. And Colenso was one of the bigger, bigger battles where the Boers managed to stop the British actually coming in over the Tugela. Yes. Uh, that is commemorated on there. You've got, um, the Battle of Pieters, Pieters Hoogta is another one of the ones that's one of the hands sticking out on, on that, on that copy. So all of those battles were individual fights that took place around, around the actual town of Ladysmith, but now they've commemorated all of them sort of in, in one spot. The other one that we've got there is, um, Wagon Hill, which is there as well. So this, the entire town is, is dotted with these, with these various, um, monuments and towns and monuments and memorials and things. So yeah. when you're driving in town just outside the, um, the town hall is, are two of the, Howitzers that the British had, the, 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 the Boers had the long tom cannon up on the hill. They outranged the British artillery somewhat, but they've got two little howitzers outside the town hall called, um, Castor and Pollux. Castor yes. and Pollux named after the mythological, mythological figures as the twin brothers, um, of, of the stars in, in the Greek, um, yes, as, as, astrological <laughs> calendar. So all of these, all of these spots, are oh, there from the Anglo-Boer War. Those are the actual particular um, battle sites. Yes. You've got a guy, there's a little memorial just off the main road as you're coming in off the N3, just as you're getting into the main part of town, is where a gentleman by the name of Colonel Dick Cunningham, he was a visitor, he was a winner rather, of the Victoria Cross. Not in the end of the war, but uh, he fell during the siege of Ladysmith, and he was actually struck by a bullet that that travelled over two and a half kilometres. So an absolute lucky shot, accidental shot. That was a freak one. <laughs> yeah, an absolute freak shot, and he was a commanding officer of the then um, the second battalion of the Gordon Highlanders, and his Victoria Cross came from. Um, his actions during the Anglo-Afghan Wars of 1879. So, you know, some high, okay. some high profile guys were, were involved there. Yeah. And on, on the main street of, of Ladysmith, there are so many little spots. And I think I've got to, I've, I've got to kind of break them up a little bit. A couple of spots on, are, are located actually in the pavement where some of the Boer shells fell in town because they were bombarding the town from, from, from the hills around Ladysmith. Oh, yes. And they've actually got the shell base, um, just outside the, the All Saints, the All Saints church. And the Boers managed to shoot the church. And, uh, actually on the, on the <laughs> church grounds, I've got a base, one of the bases, of one of the actual long-term shell casings 
encased okay. encased in in the church, which is just, just a little interest, interesting little spot to go. And have a look at. <laughs> yeah. You, and but you've just got a shot over two kilometers. That must really have been a stray bullet. Two, Sorry, uh, two thousand seven hundred. It was a two thousand seven hundred meter shot. They worked out afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the, I think the birds were just randomly firing into town, hoping to hit something, and all one of them did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also, what what brings what brings home the, the the scale of this of this of this battle is in the actual All Saints Anglican Church is a marble tablets inscribing all the names of the British soldiers who died during the siege, and there's three thousand names there. Wow, that's quite a bit. Yeah. So that again, that just just gives it a, a tiny little idea of the scale 3000 dead i mean that's a that's an awful lot of awful lot of casualties then yeah. as you carry on as you carry on through the main road you've got a 1988 trick memorial you got to have a trick memorial in there somewhere yeah of course uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you've also got um a little dutch reformed church centenary monument so the the actual congregation dates back to 1852 and uh, oh. in 1952, they put up a little centenary monument in town just to commemorate the centenary of of the church. Then you also got in the pavement, when you're walking down the main street, to sort of between King Street and Queen Street. I thought that was quite appropriate on um, on the main street. You've got a, a little <laughs> shell base where the where a shell actually um, hit, and it's it's the this place where a gentleman by the name of Dr. Stark, Dr. A.C. Stark, was actually killed on the pavement oh, okay. about his daily business. And um, a little a little aside on that one, he was actually carrying his cat with him at the time when the shell struck. And it, I think it almost cut him in half. It amputated his legs. And he was more worried about his cat than, than himself. And his last, his actual last words were, my poor cat. <laughs> Funny enough, yeah, <laughs> Doctor Stark. Um, my doctor's name is actually Doctor Stark. Well, ask him if That's he's what... related. I mean, it could be. Uh, yeah, most an, an interesting, <laughs> an interesting um, connection there. Yeah. Then, then we sort of get to the town hall. Now, town halls are always great spots for memorials and monuments and little plaques and things like that. And there's yeah. a very, there's a very interesting one there. In that there's a, a little granite block, and it's the Freedom of Ladysmith Monument. And okay. It's one of the newer monuments in town, and it com- commemorates the different military forces, regiments, units that have served the military, have served at the military base in Ladysmith, because Ladysmith is one of the one of the locations of one of the South African infantry units. Yes, yes, that's uh, right. Yeah. So some of the interesting ones are the Natal Carboneers, which was the very, very first colonial force established in Natal. You've got the Royal and South African Navy. You've got the South African Police Force, the Harry Smith Commander, Transvaal Artillery. So all sorts of unit badges are displayed on this one. And it's just it's nice to see kind of one of the newer memorials um, actually commemorating some of the newer units and not only harking back to things that happened 100, 150 or 200 years ago. 
Yeah. And then just next to it, you've actually got a replica of one of the long tom guns. And the long toms were cannons that Paul Kruger had bought before the war. He, he could see the war coming. So he rearmed um, the, the, the South African Republic quite extensively. And he bought these, these yes. cannons called the long tom cannons. And to my knowledge, I don't think any of the long tom cannons actually survived the war. They were all blown up or spiked by the Boers when they eventually had to let sort of move over to a much more mobile type of warfare. You can imagine hauling a two or three ton cannon around tends to slow yeah. down. So as far so as the, my, the, my knowledge, they actually blew up the, the long toms. Okay, so there's not one that survived. I'd have to, I'd have to check up on that. I can ask some of my okay. friends. Yeah, that yeah. would be interesting to know. Yeah. And the name Long Tom is obviously given to them by the British because of the length of the barrel. It's a massive, massive, massive um, uh, long, long barrel in front of this thing. And the, the, the one, the one around Ladysmith was, was, was placed up in the mountains. The British did manage to get to it once. And, uh, um, yeah. it was situ- it was put on a, on a, on a spot called Pepworth Hill. And the British obviously realized that the cannons were almost the key to this entire siege. So they were sending sorties out to go and try and either blow up or capture or do something to the cannon. And they, they, yeah. they, man- they managed once and they, they, they did damage the barrel, but I don't think they, ban- they damaged it enough. And then the, then, then the, then the cannon got nicknamed short Tom. <laughs> <laughs> so from long time it became short Tom. Short Tom. <laughs> That's a good one. But um the the original sites and stuff that, that were used are, are are to be seen actually in the in the siege museum. So a lot of the town revolves around that one. You got a little old you got yeah. a very pretty little old um fountain that, that's in the that's in the in the square there, and it's an interesting one because it was constructed in 1903, and that was put up in memory of Queen Victoria, and yeah. it was made in Britain. The bits and pieces got shipped out to South Africa, and it was assembled in Ladysmith, <clears throat> and it was in the in the gardens, and then then go went into a little rose garden somewhere, and then somehow in the 1950s, it just disappeared. Oh, that's very cool. <laughs> interesting. And I can only or someone imagine. Stole it. I, well, yeah, so, but I can only imagine that that was sort of the height of Afrikaner nationalism and things. So they were maybe trying to get rid of everything Victoria. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Suddenly, in the 1980s, they they found they found bits and pieces of this thing. Oh. When they were doing <laughs> some road building, so someone stole it and buried this thing. And oh, then, okay. Thirty years later, they're building a road and they dig up the, the dig up the remnants of the uh, of of the old fountain, and then they had it they had it uh, restored and they made replacement parts, etc. And now they've put the restored fountain up outside the town hall. It's <laughs> <laughs> <He's> back. <laughs> oh, lovely! <laughs> so, yeah, I mean these these are funny little things that pop up. Yeah. You've got, you got a Siege of Ladysmith centenary monument. This is all right at, at the town hall. So obviously it commemorates the, the, the centenary of the lifting of the siege. Yeah. So it was unveiled on the 20, 28th of February 2000, exactly 100 years after, after, after it was, after the, yeah. after the siege was, was lifted. So 
I don't know. It's a, again, a little bit of an interesting one, but one that we haven't seen and one that is an interesting one is it's called the Scout Memorial, but it's not for the, for the Boy Scouts, but it is yeah. for two Scouts that served both during the um, Anglo-Zulu War and who served during the Anglo-Boer War. And okay. they were Zulu Scouts. Oh. And their names were, were Jabez Molefe and Simeon Kambule. Okay. And they survived they survived two two battles. And yeah. the interesting part about it is I don't think we've ever gone into the Battle of um Isan Juana in in any detail, but um Jabez Malefe was the scout who recovered the body of Colonel Durnford from the Isan Juana battlefield. Now Durnford, Durnford was one of the guys who was sent out on the right flank to try and protect the flanks against the Zulu Impis, but he never made it. And him and his entire contingent of scouts and soldiers and artillery were slaughtered in one of the little ravines out on the flank of Isan Juana. Yeah. And his body was recovered by this guy now. I think an interesting thing was that had, had, had he not been Zulu, he probably would have been given the Victoria Cross or some other award. Yes, uh, yes. That never happened, but he is, um, com- at least commemorated here in town. Yeah. Then you got an Irish monument huh. and. The Irish have an interesting history during the Anglo-Boer War in that they actually fought on both sides. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'll be the Irish. So you've obviously got the the formal Irish regiments in the British Army, uh, like the, the Irish Guards. and But you had an awful lot of Irish who volunteered to fight on the Boer side because they don't like the English very much. Yeah. And Irish brigades actually fought on the Boer side, and sometimes the Irish were fighting the Irish on some of these battles. Yeah. <laughs> so uh this this one is actually this this little memorial is actually to the Irish Guards. And the Irish okay. Guards are one of the regiments that uh received the freedom of the city of Ladysmith. And um the Irish Guards are still a still a standing regiment in the British Army. Oh, Okay. That's interesting. Then, then we've got, as you go out, out of town and you head towards the library, you suddenly got four monuments that suddenly commemorate the Indian community in Ladysmith. Oh, the, okay. the Indians, the Indian community had its, start coming in as indentured laborers to work on the sugarcane plantations um, in the late 1800s. And they were brought in as a little, little better than slaves, basically. Yeah. And they came in ships, obviously ships came in from, from, from India. They were offered a better life, you know, come and work in South Africa, blah, blah, escape the poverty in India, et cetera, et cetera. But then they sign a contract, of course, and then, um, they have to reap, they have to repay the, the, the passage yes. and re, and, and, and so, I mean, these poor guys arrive and they have to spend years <laughs> paying back the money that in inverted commas was, was yeah. owed. 
So yes, <laughs> you've got a a couple a couple of these ones, and you've got a. And I hope I get this pronunciation right. Valiyama Manuswami Mudliya. Okay, that's and a mouthful. <laughs> she was an Indian South African girl who actually worked with Mahatma Gandhi. Oh and, yes. Um, she also quite a big part of the the passive resistance movement that Mahatma Gandhi started and her father was a trader in town who owned a little con- confectionery shop and it's actually a long long story but she 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 had a lot of problems with the way that the south africans regulated the community that the pay issues and that the way that the workers were being paid was really working against the indian um traditions of 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 dowries with with women getting married etc etc and yes. um she eventually be, because of her opposition to this inequality um of workers and pay she went she went down to peter maritzburg to go and be part of a i don't know kind of like a march but um she was arrested and she was sentenced to three months in prison with hard labor. And yes. she fell ill in prison and, and she died very, very short after her release. And she died at the age of 15. Wow. Okay. So, so she uh, was she, very, uh, yeah, she's buried, she's buried in, in the Bromfontein Cemetery. Okay. And, an interesting, a really interesting story. Um, if you want to go into the history of resistance in South Africa, then you got a general monument to the South African Indian community monument. And again, that's in memory of the Indian laborers who were brought in, in the, in the 1860s. And at that time, 1870s, they discovered a particular strain of sugarcane that could grow here in South Africa. Well, sugarcane doesn't just grow. Our sugarcane is different to sugarcane in Mauritius, for example, etc. Yeah. So you gotta have it. And eventually we discover one. But the Zulu kingdom was still intact at that time. And the Zulus had an absolutely no interest in coming to work as laborers on the farms down in Natal. They were still independent yeah. together. So there's a massive yes. shortage. And that's where the Indians came in because the British then concocted the scheme to bring all the Indian laborers in to work as labor. Yeah, uh, on the sugarcane plantations. So again, you know, the thought that wasn't thought out very well. They thought, well, we'll bring these guys out for a couple of years and they'll all go home again. But after five or 10 years or something, you don't just pack your bags and go home again. You've settled down. You've got a family. You've started something. You don't just pack up and go. Yeah. And that, that blossomed now into, into our, um, Indian community. And just as an interesting aside is that the town of Durban or the city of Durban, has actually got the biggest yeah. population of any city in the world outside of India. Yes. There's also a monument here to Mahatma Gandhi. We couldn't um, not have a Mahatma Gandhi statue. <laughs> yeah. And he was the leader of what, what eventually started, started, started being called passive resistance or, or Satyagraha. 
He was a fully qualified lawyer, and he was once thrown off a train in Peter Maritzburg because he sat in a coach designated for white people. And he oh, said, well, I, bought, I bought my first class ticket, so no, I'm going to sit. And the conductors didn't didn't like that. They threw him off the train, and he had to spend a very cold night, a miserable night on the on the train platform in Peter Maritzburg until the train oh. came on. <laughs> Um, with third yeah. class, with third class carriages with, that, with, that he was allowed to travel on. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So there's there's Mahatma Gandhi there, and then we've got, um, yeah, that 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 completes. Uh, no, sorry, there's still uh, there's one more. There's a, there's a peace monument there um, to a gentleman by the name of Swami Sivananda Pillar. And okay. He lived 1887 to 1963, and he was a, a spiritual teacher and a very big, big proponent of yoga and uh, Vedanta. Yeah. Although he was not in in South Africa, but his teachings and his spirituality played a big role in the Indian community here in South Africa. So that that's his monument there. Then then we start heading out of town. So there's an awful lot, like I say, that you can go and explore and look at and go and have a look at just within the within Ladysmith itself. Yes. And it's really worth spending a night or so in Ladysmith. And as you're now driving out on the N eleven, you're now sort of heading up that are kind of kind of northeast. You're going past a little a little game park there, and you then hit what's called the Dutch Core Monument. And again, the one of the most amazing character, characteristics of the Anglo Boer was the number of volunteers that came to fight on the side of the Boers because they realised that this was such an unjust war being waged by the English. That they were yeah. able to raise an entire core of volunteers out of the Netherlands. And we yes. Murdake again. He designed this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. And uh this this particular monument actually commemorates the Dutch core who fell at the Battle of Ierlandslachter. Yeah. So uh you then scout, you then sort of skirt um Dundee. The main road now heads out, or the R602 heads out towards Glencoe, Dundee. And now you're starting to play in the area of Blood River, you in the area of the first Anglo-Boer War. So we leave, we leave that alone. Yeah. And, uh, you carry on up, up the, the main road. And then on the 11 is a little, little spot called Fort Mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and it was actually built. It was actually built as a British signalling post during the the first Anglo the the, the Anglo Boer War, eighteen eighty eighteen eighty one. It's yeah. also called the Anglo Transvaal War, First Freedom War. Okay, and, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> no, no one's exactly sure exactly why it's called Fort Mistake. Some people say it was built in the wrong place by the by the engineering officer, and that it's just in a lousy spot for defence. Um, the other ones is that, that, uh, 
that a group of the Free State Boers unsuccessfully attacked the British garrison in the fort after the Battle of Majuba, which is basically sort of the the the, the last battle of the first Anglo-Boer War. So the, the, we 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 sort of out a little bit. The jury's still out on exactly why it's called um, yeah Fort Mistake. Yeah, there's something that went on there. <laughs> there's something that went on there. Then, then as you're coming up here, now you're hitting the, the rather dirty town of Newcastle. And uh, Newcastle is ah, a yes. dusty little mining town. And I maybe pick up some flack with it, but I don't think you can actually drive through Newcastle fast enough to get out the other side. But there is a... <laughs> there, there is a... Um, one interesting little spot there called the Fort, Fort Emil... And it's now um, a ni- very nice, very very nice little little um, museum, and it was built yeah. built in 1870 <laughs> by by the British Army's 80th Regiment, the Staffordshire Volunteers. It was manned during both the Anglo-Zulu War and the Anglo-Boer War. And there's an old gunpowder magazine, Smithy Canteen, but it's got a lot of his new Newcastle's history, local culture. It's got a little um, Mooty Garden and stuff. So it's a pleasant, pleasant enough spot to actually yeah. go. Yes. Then we keep on going up now. We also, again, we're starting, like I said, we're skirting the area of First Anglo-Boer War as well. And then you've got a place called the Mount Prospect Cemetery, a couple of kilometers up to the north of Newcastle. And the last resting place of British soldiers who died during the first the first Anglo-Boer War of 1880-1881. Yeah. This was also particularly the site of a British camp there. But what does make it stand out a little bit, it is the burial site of Major General George Pomeroy Colley. And he was killed during the Battle of Amajuna, Amajuba on the 27th of February. So Majuba was sort of the last... Battle of the First First Boer War, to where the British got resoundly smacked and beaten and forced into the peace process. And yeah. just an interesting thing with that one is that quite a bit of graffiti that was written or scratched on um, forts and in battles, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, during the Second Anglo-Boer War. And where I saw this was... Um, Pakenham. Pakenham wrote a very definitive history of the Second Anglo-Boer War, and it got a lot of photos on it. And the Boers sort of scratched on rocks and in places that they'd vacated and all the rest of it, sort of remember Majuba. So that yeah. was kind of a up yours to the British. And the British <laughs> answers to us to it to it was, we do, my boy, we do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The N11 now sort of skirts down the bottom of the, the southern end of, of Majuba, and you can actually visit a little spot there called O'Neill's Cottage. And um, that's where the peace treaty was signed after the Battle of Majuba. So you can actually yeah. go, you can actually go into the little cottage. There's an interesting dis- display on the on the Anglo on the first Anglo Boer War. You can actually climb Majuba if you're feeling super, super energetic. You can see there's a little memorial where General Colley, um was shot. And you can yeah. see that. You can actually get to the top of the hill and actually visit the, the battlefield. Um, so 
You got that, and then you also got just up the road. You got a, a, a spot called the, the Battle of Lane's Neck, and okay. uh, <clears throat> Lane, Lane's Neck was well. I say Majuba. Majuba was the decisive battle. Lane's Neck happened a little bit afterwards, but that was like the kind of kind of the final, the the, the final the final fight that they that they had there. So all of those are are visit visitable. I mean, you've got a a funny little memorial called the Fanny Knight Memorial in a little spot next to next to a town called Charlestown. Charlestown is just up the road there. Oh yeah, and it's it, it marks the spot where a gentleman by the name of Stefano Swart murdered two people, a lady called Fanny Knight and another person called G. Roots in 1927. And uh, Swart, and obviously G. Roots was his wife's lover because he went on a 24-hour murder spree while trying to evade arrest while hunting down his estranged wife, Annie. And uh, he shot he shot eight victims and he wounded another three before the cops got him. So wow. I'm not sure why he deserves a full-on memorial there. But yeah, <laughs> but there we go. Then okay. we get into, then we get into Folksrust, and Folksrust has got the an Amajuba or Majuba um, war memorial, and the first Anglo Boer War that so had its had its start. Already by the, in the in the eighteen sixties, mid eighteen seventies, and eighteen seventy seven, the British decided to annex the Transvaal. They decided the Transvaal wasn't being run very well and bankrupt, so they decided to annex the the Transvaal during the presidency of Thomas Burgers. Yes, and slowly but surely, the Boer resistance starts kicking off on this one, and they start organizing. The rallies and meetings, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and then in December 1880, they had a mass meeting at a place called Paderberg in now today part of Krugersdorp. And you still you can still go visit the Paderberg monument, uh, which commemorates where this meeting happened. And that's where they actually decided, guys, it's time to now go and deal with the British. Yeah. Then they, they go and they besiege Pochestrom. Pochestrom was actually besieged by the Boers at that time. I don't know if you ever know that one. And then they attacked the British, the British troops at Bronkospreit in December 1880. Now the British troops that got hit at Bronkospreit were actually coming in from, um, Leidenberg area. And yes. they were sent out of Leidenberg to go and reinforce Pretoria. And the Boers met them at, at Broncos break and basically said, listen, guys, turn around, go home, and all oh, there's going to be a fight. And the British said, well, we're in order to go to Pretoria, so we're going to go to Pretoria, and it developed into a shooting match. And yeah. the British the British got themselves smacked at Broncos break And if you're in <laughs> Broncos break you can, if when you take the road down to the Broncos break <clears throat> there's actually a very nice little memorial there on the side with the names of the soldiers and the regiments. So... Then what happens is the Boer forces start maneuvering in northern Natal and eventually you get the battles of Lane's Neck, Skeinshurta, then, then, then at Majuba. And then at Majuba, the Boers eventually defeated the British. So then they go and they sign up in, 
of the piece in O'Neill's um, cottage, and the names of all the burgers are now on that little memorial in Forks of yeah. It's a very short, short, sharp little war. But yeah. I think it must have hurt the British quite badly to be beaten by a bunch of colonial farmers on raggedy horses. And these guys fought <laughs> out the might of the um, British Empire. Yeah. So, beautiful church, beautiful church in town, designed by? Gerard Murdijk. Gerard Murdijk, there we go. <laughs> but again, I love it's, that guy. It's, just, it's just worth mentioning. It's, again, it's just an absolute work of art. The design of that church is an absolute work of art. You, just, you stand in awe of that guy's work. Yeah. And then it's an interesting one. You've also got a, a little British soldier's memorial for the um, Second Anglo-Boer War. And... Uh, Little one off to the side, off to the off to the side of town. So we then eventually leave, and we next little town of any significance is a little spot called Amersfoort. Okay, I've heard of that place. (laughs) 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 Again, beautiful church building, not by Moordijk this time. Guy by the name of Vainan Low. Having I mean, just just a there's an Anglo Boer War monument again in town. There's a little centenary monument for the hundredth anniversary or centenary of the actual town. And I think, and as far as I remember, when I chatted to Emil Kutsia, the guy who's the historian and does most of the history on these posts, yeah, is an absolutely unique memorial and it's possibly a unique memorial in the world in that it is a memorial to a brass band. Oh, <laughs> that's an interesting <laughs> and it's a monument one. In honor, in honor of the Armisford brass band. Okay. And the building behind this is where the brass band used to gather and practice and uh, give concerts and they, they won the national competition in 1990, and that's why on the monument it says on Strotz, which means our pride. Yeah. I, I don't know anywhere else of a particular monument to a brass band. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I know of other music monuments and things like that, and we know about the, the Buddha Orchestra mon- uh, monument. We chatted about that one before, but nowhere else to a brass band. And then we've got yes. a World War II memorial in Amersfoort as well, commemorating the South Africans who fell fighting on the side of the British or fighting on the side of the Allies in World War II. Yeah. Then we've got an interesting one as we're coming up now to Ermelo, about halfway on the way up the road to to Ermelo, is we've got what's called the um, Paul Kruger Bridge. Okay. And it was one of the bridges built during the time of President Paul Kruger and the Zuid-Afrikaanse Republic, the ZAR, or the Transvaal Republic. Yeah. And it's called Begin the Line Bridge, or the Start of the Line Bridge. Okay. And it's due to the fact that the, that the, the, the old boundary between 
the South African Republic and Swaziland was actually there. Oh, now, we've okay. spoken about this before, that only after the Second Anglo-Boer War, when the British came in and redrew the boundaries, they weren't very fair about it and made Swaziland much smaller than yes. it have been. So if you go and have a look on a map and you measure sort of Swaziland border to Ermelo, that's quite a distance. But... Uh, It was, again, this was part of Paul Kruger's desire to get independent of the British and to keep railways and railway traffic out of the hands of the British. He was trying to skirt south of of Swaziland with his railways, trying to develop harbours in the north coast of um, the then Zululand. And uh, it's just, again, it's just a a beautiful, beautiful um, piece of architecture and it's the longest, the longest stone bridge that they built, 124 meters long. Oh, okay. It's just, it's just beautiful to go and have a look at. You look at the architecture and you've got to remember, you're now talking late 1800s with buildings yes. and things. So what they accomplished there is actually, actually pretty impressive. Yeah. Let's get into the little town of Ermelo. Now we've chatted about Ermelo before because you've got the N11 coming in. You've got the N2 coming in. You've got the N17 coming in. So Omelo <laughs> is a real little little hub. Yeah. And I mean you got you got the the war memorial, sort of the general war memorial for World War One, World War Two. You got the Burger Monument, Anglo Boer War Burger Monument. And then you've got another interesting grave in the old cemetery in Omelo of a gentleman by the name of Major William Bloomfield. Another winner uh, of the Victoria Cross. And uh, he won his VC in German East Africa because South, South, South African forces helped kick, kick the Germans out of what was then Tanzania. Yes, yes. And he was a captain in the unit called the Scout Corps, the 2nd South African Mounted Brigade. And he saved the life of a wounded corporal who was not evacuated with the rest of his men. So he went under fire. He, he ran 400 meters under fire to go and get sure. this guy and, uh, dragged him, dragged him out. Awesome. So we, we got a, the whole gaggle of these, um, Victoria cross winners dotted across South Africa. And it's a nice, it's actually a nice little, it's actually a separate category on our app, all the South African VC winners that, that yeah. we know of. Then the N11 carries on up and you're heading sort of, you, you're almost going directly north. You're now getting to, into Middleburg and Anglo Boer War Memorial in Middleburg as well. An awful lot of the fighting there happened in the honor of the Middleburg commando. It was put up in in 1938, and it's, it's, a, it's a, actually a, a, a nice memorial. It's got carvings of rifles on the side of it, and uh, Middleburg was also one of the sites of the concentration camps. It was a very very big concentration camp in Middleburg that you can visit the the remains of as well. Okay, it's a, bit of a bit of a somber <laughs> somber one day. Yeah. But just to the north of Middleburg, you got a 
interesting little spot called um, Fort Marinsky. Okay. And it's also known as um, Fort Wilhelm. And it's a oh. German, it's a German fort. Okay. Built by the Berlin Mission Station at a little spot called Bocciabello. And oh. I visited I visited that place a couple of times, and it's, it looks like a little German castle, little turrets with a little, you know, the little, yeah. I think it's a crenelated, crin, crin, I think the word is, you know, where you've got the little square blocks on top yeah. of the ramparts. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. the weirdest thing. You're driving through bush, and then suddenly you hit this little German castle in the middle of nowhere. And you <laughs> kind of look at this, and you go, it's kind of militaristic, but they were there to preach the Bible. Yeah. So, sort of through the barrel of a gun, <laughs> we will convert you kind of thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> learn the Bible or else. Yeah, learn the Bible or else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then you're just south of the Lost Corp Dam. Now, the Lost Corp Dam is, is, is becoming or is quite a, um, a nice little weekend spot, a lot of activities, fishing and camping. There's a nice little game park around around the Lost Corp Dam as well. Very nice little game park there for yeah. you to visit. And um, the Rapport Reyes actually put up a little monument there in, in memory of all the Africana workers who worked on the construction of the Lost Corp Dam. So the Lost Corp Dam was initially built in 1939, started in 1939. It was renovated again in the late 1970s. But yes. again, it's just a, to me, it's just a bit of an interesting mindset that now suddenly we raise a monument to the workers of a damn wall. Yeah. I haven't quite got my head around that, why, why that is so important. So either that or I don't think the report raised didn't have much to do. Yeah. <laughs> then we get to Marble <laughs> Hall. Now, Marble Hall is ah, smack bang in the middle of huge fruits and citrus citrus yes. areas, etc., etc., And a and lot of game. There's a lot of game farms and things happening up there. You're in a massive, massively fertile area. You're sort of on what's called the um, the Springbok Flats. So, it's, yeah. so the Springbok Flats, I think we chatted about that before, was a massive, like, um, volcanic bubble that emerged and then collapsed in, in on itself. And the Mahalis yeah. range is like the, the edge of that one to the north of Pretoria. The Mahalisburg is the range yeah. wall in inverted commas of that. So hugely, um, fertile area there. But there's yeah. a 1988 trick memorial in, in, um, in Marble Hall. And it's actually a very pretty one. They've actually got very nice engravings of ox wagons on it and commemor- commemorative plaques on it. Uh, yeah. So that, that's actually a very, very pretty one. Now you're sort of heading up as you go further north. You're now sort of trying really getting into, into kind of bushveld areas. And then you get into the little town called Mokopane. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Which used to be called Potitas. Yes, Potis. Potis. <laughs> as we know it. Oh, yeah, Potis is more Pachistrum, but yeah. But there's actually a very nice museum there. You've got a little cultural history museum in a place called the Arun Tipurunk Museum. Um, okay. Kind of a historic farming, historic farming implements, cultural history, tobacco, a lot of the tobacco industry centered around, centered around the town there as well when tobacco was still the end thing. 
And you got Pete Potheater's grave. And uh, Pete Potheater was the former commandant of the Transvaal. And he was actually shot during that battle in 1854. So, yeah, comes Potheater. He makes it up the entire great trek. And then he gets into some fights against um, two local chiefs by the name of Kakana and Langas. And it's called the Battle, okay. of, it's called the battle of Makapat's Hut. So <laughs> the locals had retreated into, into this cave and the Transvaal Boers decided to besiege it and hoping to starve them out, you know, starve and, and make them come out with thirst and, and hunger. Yes. And was a little bit impatient. So he goes and climbs onto a ledge above the cave, deciding to try and shoot anybody that's going to come out. Yeah. But what he didn't realize is that these guys in the cave weren't complete muhus. And they put people, <laughs> they put some people at the entrance armed with rifles. And as he was getting in there, he was shot. Oh. And, uh, strangely enough, it was one of the, that was one of the incidents that happened that actually brought Paul Kruger to prominence. Because Paul Kruger was a youngster at that stage and he was part of that commando. Yeah. And Kruger actually went under fire to go and fetch the body of Potkita and drag the body out. Yeah. So that's where Kruger sort of started getting a reputation as a bit of a hero and as a fearless yes. guy. So not sort of interesting to sort of look look at that grave and go, that whole that little incident there inadvertently actually led up to Kruger becoming president. And <laughs> in a weird way, in almost led up to the Second Anglo Boer War. Yeah. And then you've got an interesting spot, and I, I speak under correction because I know that it was under a bit of strain for a while, but I think it is still going. Is that you've got the Mokopani Biodiversity Conservation Center, which is a satellite organization to the Pretoria Zoo, or the National okay. Zoological Gardens in Pretoria. <clears throat> and this was one of the sites that was actually the breeding camps for endangered species. And yeah. I know that they had rhino, they had roan antelope, they had some of the rarer species there set up here in Mokopani. And I don't know if it is still going. I have not confirmed that it is closed, but I know that it was taking some strain for a while. And I know that the yeah. zoos in particular also. Not I, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently Pretoria Zoo has closed down. I, mean, I, I, I saw some articles about that it was under pressure and that things weren't so lacquer and yeah but whether it's closed down or not i actually don't know yeah i kind of doubt it it's our national zoological gardens but they were yeah. under some severe mismanagement and and i mean i've, I've been I, I, I when i was at school i used to go for an afternoon to pretoria zoo to get out of boarding school <laughs> I love the zoo. It's a beautiful, beautifully run place. It is. Yeah. And it, it definitely has sort of been going down over the last couple of years. I think I was last at Pretoria Zoo probably three, four years ago. And we're still I think especially with the lockdown, I think must have hurt them quite a bit. I think that hurt, well, that, that hurt everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe I, I need to go and have a look at that. 
But yeah, that, that sort of ends the decent spots on the N11. The N11 carries on up there all the way through Groblersbrug, um, to the border with Botswana. And, uh, yeah. we have, we haven't found anything on that last stretch of road. I mean, that's, that's real, um, remote Limpopo bushveld. Yeah. Up that side. And we didn't find, we haven't found much that, that went on there. So, oh yeah, but I mean, the, the the highway, I think, covers covers an awful lot of our history, and especially if you look at Ladysmith. I mean, you're kicking off already with yeah. your Diaz. Yeah, there's and, a uh, lot going on there. There's an awful lot going on in Ladysmith. And Ladysmith, honestly, is worth a night or two. And you can spend a happy couple of days meandering around Ladysmith and use it as a base for the other battlefields. And you can go yeah. the Zulu War, you can go Second Anglo-Boer War, you can go Fort Trekkers, your Battle of Blood Rivers just down the road there as well. Isantwana's down the road. Um, Rock's Drift is just down the road. So Ladysmith is really could can, you can definitely use it as a little holiday yeah. spot or as a spot, as a base to explore an awful lot and an awful lot of our history and some interesting spots there. So, yeah, I think that's my story for this one. 45 minutes, not too bad. Okay, cool stuff. <clears throat> okay, and then that's next time we'll do the N12. We'll skip the N13 because it doesn't exist. And then uh, <laughs> we'll have a look what else we've got to chat about. I mean, there's still a couple of national highways, but I, you know, every, every time we talk, I go, wow, here's another theme. Here's another theme. We can do this. We can do, yeah, all sorts of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Like a Thanks again. And we'll chat again soon. Righty. Cool stuff.